Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The Bible really is a book that contains three main themes centered around one unique person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament writings were concerned primarily with the idea that He's coming. The Messiah, the Savior, will come and visit us with salvation. Then, there is the fact that He's here. The Savior has been born and lived among His people, proving who He was and accomplishing the purposes of God. This, of course, is the central theme of the New Testament. And the final theme, well, he's coming again. Many prophecies are still waiting to be fulfilled in the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's broadcast, speaker Marvin Dirksen talks about God's promises, his wonderful patience, and his coming purposes at the return of his Son, Jesus Christ. We hope that you will stop for the next half hour and listen. As Mr. Dirksen considers the question, the Lord is coming. Are you ready? Second Peter chapter 3, we'll read at verse number 3. Knowing this first, Peter was writing, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water, and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. That would be Noah's flood. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now, here's the verse I'd like to look at tonight. The Lord is not slack. He's not behind schedule. The Lord is not tardy concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. I'm sure all of us, somewhere along the line, have thought about the future. That just goes almost without saying. We look at our day planners, we look at the calendar, there are jottings that go down on specific days and months to come. There's all kinds of dates that stretch before us into the future. And you know, it's very interesting that we are creatures that are involved with the future. That's why what we've read tonight from God's Word singles out the tremendous truth of the future. And so we have noticed tonight, very simply in this one verse that we have read, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, concerning God's promise. And secondly, God's patience. He's long-suffering. He is patient. And thirdly, that patience and that promise has a purpose. 
And to me, these three truths really single out for us the great realities that all of us face. We must face the future. The future is coming. Are you ready? And in that future, we find that God has given us a wonderful promise for those who are saved especially. And yet in these days of ours, God is waiting. He's patient. He's long-suffering. I can recall all the hype that there was when the year 2000 was drawing near. And of course, there's all kinds of fears and computer crashes were forecasted and, and all kinds of momentous events. Well, a lot of them didn't happen. But it's interesting that the entire world was focused on the coming millennium at that moment, thinking about the future. And it was very interesting to go back in the history of mankind to try to uh, glean some of the prophecies, some of the forecastings that men had made many, many years ago. In fact, in 1893, at the World's Columbia Exhibition, there were some of the leading thinkers of that time, and they were asked to put down on paper what they would actually foresee to be in place 100 years from that. 1893 brings us up to 1993. Now, we have gone long past that already. But it's been interesting just to read what some of these men wrote about. Thomas Talmadge said that by the 1990s, longevity will be so improved that 150 years will be no unusual age to reach. Now, I don't think there's anybody here that's even close to that. If we get to be 75, we're doing well. Half of that. But this man with his brilliance thought that by 1993, 150 years would be no problem at all that medical science would have been advanced so far. Another thinker said the confinement and punishment of criminals will occupy but little of the thought or time of the men of 1993. Sad to say that is not the case. There's all kinds of jails that are filled to capacity. Another leading writer, Erasmus Wyman, said, by the end of the 20th century, taxation will be reduced to a minimum. I wish. The entire world will be open to trade, and there will be no need of a standing army. No taxes. No standing army. I think the only man that came close to an accurate prophecy said, John Ridpath said, the houses and cities of men built of aluminum, shall flash in the rising sun with surpassing brilliance. And I think that is true as you approach some of the cities. You see the sun dazzling on the buildings of glass and marble and aluminum and steel. People are concerned of the future. And you know, the, the God of the Bible is concerned with the future. And God is concerned with your future. And perhaps that's exactly why you have come to this meeting, and we're very thankful to see you in, in the audience tonight. Because without a doubt, in all of our souls and all of our minds, there, there has come the question, where am I going? Where will I be a hundred years from now? Where will I be for all eternity? Have you asked those questions? Have you ever thought about those things? Well, this book has the answers. And that's why what we have read tonight focuses for us the tremendous promise of God. God is not Tardy concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. I've often thought that as we look at this book, we can see three very, very vast themes. When I think of the Old Testament, I think of men that looked ahead, and they were given a tremendous prophecy, a tremendous truth, a tremendous promise. They were made aware that there would come a moment when a Savior would be sent. 
And you know, if I could just make it very simple tonight, these men wrote very simply, he's coming, he's coming, watch for him. I have wondered sometimes at Isaiah, as he took up his pen and by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he began to write of the one that would come, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah, what are you writing? This is amazing truth, he would say. But I can tell you with absolute assurance that there's going to come a moment when a virgin will bring forth a son and he will be known as Emmanuel, God with us. But the same prophet took up his pen at a later date, perhaps in Isaiah 53, and he wrote about that one who would be coming. And he wrote these words, he's despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And then he wrote, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And as Isaiah and other prophets wrote, they wrote of the one that was coming. And you know, for centuries, man looked for that moment. They looked for that coming. And yet, one night, the news came from heaven. You'll recall in Luke chapter 2 that there was a moment when shepherds were watching their flocks by night. Just another night. Perhaps these men were talking about the prophecies of the Old Testament. Simple men and yet no doubt God-fearing men waiting, looking for the promise. And unexpectedly one night the heavens were lit up in a supernatural way. An angel came and he said to those simple shepherds, Don't be afraid, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And as those men ascertained the truth of that proclamation, the whole emphasis changed, and men began to pick up their pens again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know what they were writing? They said, he's here. He's here. Look at him. He's here for all to see. The very purpose of the gospel message is to introduce to you the Savior of the world. He really has come. And though that event and that singular life was lived almost 2,000 years ago now, yet that amazing person, that perfect man, the spotless Lamb of God, the very Son of God in our midst, his power, his influence, his claims still affect us today. He is the only Savior for sinners. Let me ask you tonight, do you know him personally? Have you received him as your Savior? Because the truth of the gospel is, he's here. You know, that's not the end of the story. And what we have read of in 2 Peter chapter 3 takes us now to another vantage point, to another emphasis. And there were men that picked up their pen again on the basis of the fact that he had come and that he accomplished a work of salvation for us. And they began to write of this tremendous truth. Jesus Christ is coming again. I don't know if that's good news for you. But oh, I tell you, that is great news for every believer. Jesus Christ is coming again. In fact, the Bible says it's a blessed hope. It's a hope that fills us with anticipation. And I'm not sure how you view this poor, sinking world. But I can't help but be... I was going to say impressed. I don't think that's the right word. It's almost a sense of burdened. 
It's almost a sense of growing darkness as we see the, the horrific crimes that are marking our day. And as the days grow darker, the promises of God grow brighter. And that's why as Peter picks up his pen, he said, God is not behind schedule concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. And tonight I can tell you that the very promise of his coming is right on schedule. You know, the very basis of his promise are the very words of the Savior himself. In that upper room, he gathered his, his own around himself. And he said, um, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The Savior's desire, the Savior's longing, is that he might have his own people around himself. And you know, that moment is going to come. When he comes from heaven by way of the rapture, it will be glory for him. Thank God it will be glory for every person who's saved. We'll be snatched away. We'll rise to meet him. And as Peter and Paul and John and all the apostles wrote of his coming, there were those that lifted up their eyes because they were expecting the Lord to come in their day. You know what James wrote? He wrote, the coming of the Lord is drawing near, drawing near. And if James believed the coming of the Lord is drawing near, how much nearer is it tonight in our day? In fact, the early Christians, as they would be speaking together maybe on the street or in the shop or in their homes as they would go to leave, they wouldn't say, well, see you later. You know what they would say? Maranatha, brother. Maranatha, sister. You know what that means? The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And tonight, this promise is a golden truth, a golden treasure for every person who's saved. But I can tell you personally that before I was saved, before I knew this Savior, his coming brought terror to my soul. I'd heard enough of the gospel in those days to understand that when he comes, the open door of salvation will swing shut. For the Lord Jesus spoke with such emphasis and such earnestness when he says, strive to enter into the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and will not be able to. And here's the reason. Here's the moment. Here's the explanation. When once the master of the house has risen up and is shut to the door. And to make that as clear as I can, there's a moment coming when the Lord Jesus, yonder in heaven tonight, he is going to return. And when he rises up to begin the final moments of this day of grace, he will close a door of salvation. And when that door closes, it won't be opened again. The young man was listening to the gospel, but he was very flippant, very, he's a scoffer, very indifferent. And as he heard of that truth one night, he said, well, he said to the preacher, he says, when one door closes, another door opens. He said, that's just the way it is in life. The preacher held that young man's hand. He says, young man, you're right. When the door of heaven swings shut, the door of hell swings wide open. Promise of God is true. The promise of God is accurate. The promise of his coming is near. The promise of his coming is separating. The promise of his coming brings great gladness and great joy to those who are ready. The promise of his coming should stir every individual in our audience tonight who has never had a moment of salvation. Because if he came tonight, the redeemed will be gone. But we have read of God's patience. As we think of God's patience, we can't help but bow with amazement. 
with thanksgiving. God is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish. Have you ever wondered at the patience of God? His promise is true, but friend, his patience is amazing, and yet it's verily true. We find that God moves slowly by way of judgment. In fact, what we have read of concerning the worldwide flood in Noah's day, you know how long God prepared for that? From what I can understand, that ark was likely under construction for possibly 120 years. That's a long, long project. We think 120 days is a long project, or maybe a year and two months, but 120 years? Nail after nail, timber after timber. God waited. Why was he waiting? That door was open. The invitation was given because God does not want anyone to perish. Sodom and Gomorrah, those proud cities, those cities that gloated over their their independence and over their sin. Before the fire of God fell, God sent messengers to that place. God had a man praying out on the hillside for those cities. God waited before the judgment of God fell. Time after time through the scriptures, we find that God waits, waits and waits and waits. And here's the reason. He doesn't want anyone to perish. You know, that reveals the character of God. That reveals his heart. God's heart has been revealed by sending his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why did he send him? That whosoever believeth in him should not, here's the word, perish. Lose your soul for all eternity. What an overwhelming truth. The prospect of stepping into eternity without Christ, with sins unforgiven. The reality is revealed in the scriptures, horrendous. To have no hope, no exit sign, no return, no second chance. Perish. Not loss of being. To perish is loss of well-being. To miss and lose every blessing that God had in store for you. God does not want anyone to perish because his heart is a heart of love. His heart is a heart of concern because, you see, the place to which people are advancing tonight was never prepared for people. I hope you understand that tonight. Hell was never prepared for people. Never. The Bible says it was prepared for the devil and for his followers, for his angels. But if men and women choose to remain in their sins, to resist the grace of God, their portion will be with the enemy. And they will perish in their sins. God doesn't want anyone to be there. And so he waits, he calls, he invites, he brings Christians along your pathway. He sends invitations out. He has gospel series come along. Whatever the case, God moves in the experience of individuals. And he waits that you might come to know him. Here's the purpose. That individuals will go on to repentance. You say, why doesn't it say that they'll go on to, to salvation? Because you see, apart from a change of mind, apart from acknowledgement of need, there'll be no salvation. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all might go on to repentance, a change of mind. I trust tonight that you might understand that this promise is true, it's accurate, it's coming, that God desires that you might change your mind about your course. You might turn to the Savior. 
and you might find salvation and life and forgiveness in Him. Yes, friend, the Lord still patiently waits. He's looking for repentance, a true change of mind concerning your need and God's provision. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. We don't know when. It could be before this day ends. We are praying that you won't delay any longer. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Only then will you be ready for that next momentous event circled on God's calendar. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. 